Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Hello, Heron. How you doing? Good. Since long as we're talking about hypothetical universes, imagine mm. that um, tomorrow it, abortion was made illegal in every pregnant woman was forced to go through with um, her pregnancy how what would you, what are we going to do then now what are those women going to be forced to 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 raise those children i think it is a definitely challenging question i recently talked to the person that runs a crisis pregnancy clinic and I had an interesting discussion with her, which I think relates to this, actually. Um, I, I asked her, if tomorrow, I actually asked her the same question you just asked me. I said, if tomorrow it became illegal to kill children within the womb, what would change about your clinic? Because I was kind of thinking about this uh, regarding their clinic and what they do. And she said, well, she communicated to me that it wouldn't change that much. She said there would be some changes regarding the approach of things because now that option wouldn't be there um, as easily. But she said she'd pretty much do the same thing. They provide adoption information. They provide uh, financial help. They provide all kinds of avenues by which a person who's pregnant, a mother, um, can safely get from point A to point B and, and, and have a lot of choices once that child is born. So one answer is places like Alternate Avenue, that's the name of the, of the place I'm referring to, um, is an excellent resource for women. Things like that, uh, the community coming around and helping in those ways would be fantastic. Um, there's a variety of answers. Well, you're talking about 3,300 uh, human beings in the world every day that are unwanted. And uh, so you're going to give their mothers some money, and that's going to make it okay. No, I'm, I'm just saying this is one uh, actual thing that's taking place right now that is dealing with this particular situation you're describing of which I asked them that exact same question, and they said they'd probably keep doing the same thing. So I'm just providing yeah. it as one one answer to what you're describing. Now, is it the catch-all? Does that answer everything? Absolutely not. I'm just providing that as one potential uh, thing that exists. There was... Uh, um, can I... I will say this. Yeah. A quick thought. Yeah. Um, me and my wife have had many children in a short amount of time since we've been married. And... Uh, um, one of the jokes I like to tell people when they tell me I need to go on the birth control or we need to use some sort of birth control is I tell them pregnancy is birth control. My wife's never gotten pregnant while she's pregnant. Now, <laughs> now I, I say that. It's funny if you think about it. I think it's funny. But uh, uh, I say that only to point out one interesting thing is that if you don't kill these children, um, the entire process of giving birth and, and uh, all the things that follow that, it doesn't suddenly mean we have 3,000 more children on our hands every single day. Um, well, if we're killing 3,000 so a day, it, then it, if it, we stop killing 3,000 a day, then those 3,000 children are going to be alive and being raised by somebody. Yeah, but I'm just suggesting that it's far more complicated. Uh, it's not like uh, suddenly you don't kill this, child and uh, now there's 3,000 additional children every single day. Well, the whole process is pretty straightforward to me. Public. I don't know how else, what kind of math you do, but uh, 1.2 million abortions a year that don't get committed, uh, that's 1.2 million children in the world. How, what am I missing? I'm just I'm saying that uh, any very well you know, it's it, it's actually not that big of a thing. 
I'll let it slide and say, you know, if that's exactly what happened, then it would happen. I was just mentioning that it's not as easy as that many children not being killed translates to that many children continuously being born because of all the things that go into a pregnancy and the time it takes and the giving birth and then the having a child and all these different things. Uh, this drastically changes, I think, people's lives and perhaps the way they do things. Well, yeah, um, sure. Yeah. I'm just, it's still, oh. yeah, those, you know, there was an interesting statistic that happened. I, I don't remember the dates or the times now. I mean, it was a, a conversation I heard somewhere uh, about the drop in crime rate in the 1980, 90, I guess it was in the 1990s. Have you, have you heard this thing about the police taking? I, I have. Yeah. The, the, the book, I believe, that uh, that comes from, there might be other stories surrounding it, but it's called Freakonomics. And uh, this guy points out a variety of interesting things, not just that. But, but one of those chapters is dedicated to that idea, or I don't know if the whole chapter. But anyway, he brings up this idea that, that uh, all these, quote, unwanted, end quote, children are the statistical criminals in general, they're the more likely to be criminal. That's people. right. And the fact that they weren't born and that they didn't have a bunch of people being born and raised by parents who were incompetent and malicious and didn't want them, uh, right. that uh, that's why the crime rate went down. It wasn't because the police were doing great jobs. There weren't so many unwanted and, and badly programmed uh, children in the world. Following the yeah. uh, the, leg the legal the you know the legal application of murdering children. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, though I find that in entirely fascinating, it's, it's very interesting. I would say it's a very dangerous um, proposition because ultimately what's being said there is. Why? What's so wrong with eliminating the statistically? bad people, overall, it's going to make society better. That, to me, well, is it's very a scary. Well, it could mean whatever it wants to mean. You can look at it and, and draw your own conclusions from it, but it, it, it is a, I think, compelling argument um, for raising children in optimal situations and, and not Raising children are not allowing. See, that's another thing. I, I'm of the opinion that people should be. I mean, I don't think it's a right for anybody, just any jerk, to go out and get pregnant and reproduce, and then I pay the consequences of their need to reproduce. Uh, it would be nice if people uh, were. I think they. I mean, we should we license people to carry guns or to drive a car. <laughs> but any idiot can have a child and turn it into a criminal, and uh, I think that's kind of kind of dumb, really. You know, but I I, I don't want to lose sight of, of of the original thing you brought up, which is the fact that the killing of these children has provided for perhaps a better society because the majority of these children were the statistical criminals. No, it's not saying anything about the majority of them. I don't know what this... I'm not making any claims about that. I'm just pointing out the the argument. I don't... Yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me, let, yeah. let me give you the basic idea that's presented. I, I know what the basic idea was. I know what the idea was. I mean, I'm clear, clear on it. And I'm not arguing... What, what I'm arguing about is these 1.2 million that you want to rescue, what are we going to do with them? Are we going to just allow them to be raised by these people who are going to kill them? Or, or are yeah. we going to be responsible for these children? Or are you going to be responsible for all these children you want to rescue? Who is going to raise these kids? Again, I think this is a very dangerous discussion because this doesn't just apply to uh, children in the womb. This kind of rationale well, it applies, applies to all children and all parents. That's why I'm saying, as far as I'm concerned, parents should be licensed before they are allowed to have children. But, of course, most Americans think that's really terrible, <laughs> a terrible idea. But, uh, no, I think most people will think it's terrible. The moment you take the ideas that you just put forth and you apply them to children outside the room, most people will say that's a terrible thing to say. Yeah, I know, but I don't care what they say. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying um, 
you know, people, sh nobody should have children unless they actually are capable of raising the kind of children that, uh, that I want to see in the world. <laughs> yes, I want, I want children who are concerned about their neighbors, who are good citizens, who, who act with the best interest of their friends and family and society, who aren't criminals who prey on everybody else and think only of themselves. Yeah, I think you're painting what you just said a little bit nicer than it actually is. The question is whether we should kill children. What you're suggesting is that the children that aren't wanted, regardless of their age, should be killed. Well, I'm at, no, that's not it. I've asked you if we weren't killing them, what's your, what do you plan on doing with them? You're just going to set them all, just say, okay, we didn't kill them. We've, now I've saved them all. Now we've done our job and we can go back to watching TV. This is exactly the point. We're talking about the killing of children. What you're suggesting to me is, given the two alternatives, killing a child, regardless of their age, or keeping a child alive, that is, we let them be or we kill them. We let them be and deal with the consequences or we kill them. Okay, so you just don't want to deal with that. Then. You basically, you just want to say we shouldn't kill them, and the other thing is just a separate issue, and we're just not going to deal with that here. And I respect that. If that's your your answer to it, okay, that's your answer. That's the only reasonable answer you could have, unless you actually got a plan for what you're going to do with those 1.2 un million unwanted and unloved children. But more importantly, what I'm saying is. No, it's not about not wanting to deal with it. What I'm saying is that in dealing with it, see, don't mis misunderstand me. In dealing with that, an option on the table is not to kill the child. I have a variety of options. I'm not saying I don't have an answer. I'm saying there's a variety of, a variety of answers for a variety of situations. But one of the answers that we should not have when given a difficult situation regarding children is to kill them. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think, I mean, I understand your position, and uh, I just think if we're going to do that, then we need to uh, say, okay, uh, here, here are the options then. If you're not going to kill them, what are we going to do? What, what do you, here's a girl who's 17 years old, who's not very bright, who got pregnant because she's stupid and isn't really thinking very clearly and is in no position to raise a child. What, what are we going to do? We have many options. One of those options sh should not be to kill the child. Okay. All right. I got it. All right. Yeah. I, I was just curious what your uh, what your thoughts were on that. So yeah. Good enough. Okay. Did you? Uh, can you help me understand your reasoning yet regarding the difference between the saving of an individual child versus saving uh, a group of individual child children? No, that's not, well, again, your continued abuse of the word child, I think, is, uh, is just an abuse of language, really. To call a 12-week a, a or 6-week-old fetus a child, I think, is an abuse of language. I mean, I understand your position. It's certainly a living being, but uh, a six-week-old fetus doesn't have much more ontological status, as I can see it, than a fish does. Let me paint a ridiculous picture for you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna paint it, you know, this ridiculous picture. But I don't think it is what you just said is true. My wife goes into the bathroom, does a pregnancy test. We find out she's pregnant, and I'm very happy to say that my wife is with child. I believe that's my child and her. And I think that as a mother now, it is not ridiculous for me to refer to that as a child. No, I understand. No, I know. But, uh, you know, in words mean different things in different contexts. And I understand that that's perfectly reasonable use of the word child. I don't quarrel with that. But uh, if we're, we're not talking in that context you know and i think uh basically as far as you're concerned a child is anything with human dna in it you know no 
That's not true. Well, of course, that's exactly what you're saying is that once it's a fertilized uh, egg, uh, that it is at that point a, a human being and a child. Skin cells, sperm, eggs, all these have human DNA in them. No, 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 they don't. They don't have the full complement, the full 46. They only okay. have 23. It's, okay, never mind. I'm sorry. I mean, they're alive in that sense, but they're not. Uh, they're certainly not Homo sapiens until uh, conception. But I okay. say just because. But a, a conceived. I mean, really, it's almost. In fact, I suspect, aside from uh, genetic testing, there's no way to tell a two or three day old monkey fetus or fish fetus, for that matter, from a human fetus at two days. Yeah, I'm sure that I wouldn't be able. To I mean, you can test it with DNA and find out the difference, but you know, like I say I, I just think, well, yeah, you know, you use the word, you know, we kill children. I mean, you know, what can I say about the way you use language? <laughs> well, this is the key. A moment ago, it sounded like you were saying I am playing. A, you didn't say it in these words, but you kind of communicated that I'm playing this sort of ridiculous game with language. But then I respond back that that is the way I describe my wife when she's pregnant. That is the way we describe our children. This is a normal way that people refer to the child. It can't be both ridiculous and not ridiculous at the same time. Sure it can. You could say, you, you, you could say that in one context it is, in one context it isn't. But then now we're getting into trouble because you're calling me ridiculous, but then, I, then you say no, it's fine. No, I said the like, way you okay, use the word child is um, a word game in this context. No, in, in talking about your wife's uh, being pregnant with your child is perfectly reasonable. I have no quarrel with that. If you and your wife are happy about the fact that you're pregnant and, you know, and uh, using that kind of language, that would be wonderful, no problem. But in a scientific discussion, uh, that language is used differently. Again, I I don't uh, I don't know how you're going to tell me that it's not. Do people in science call it a child? No, in in uh, well, no, in a scientific discussion, you there's all sorts of very specific names for different stages of a, of a fetus. There's a blastula. I mean, I don't remember all the names now. It's been a long time since I read that stuff, but. Uh, you know, the, the, em the embryo goes through a series of stages, and they each have names. And what you're suggesting to me is that in science, and somehow we have to use the scientific terminology, in science, nobody in science, in the science world, would use the word child until the, the, the uh, fetus is out of the womb, and then in science, in the scientific world, you, no, you're sort I'm of saying... No, no, listen, I'm talking about language use the way I see scientific language. I'm not talking about the way other people talk. I'm talking about my opinions about the way we should use language. And, uh, you know, talking about a child when you're talking about a three-week-old fetus, I think... Um, well, I mean, that's the way you use language. It's just not the way I use language. But why is it such a big deal, then? Why can't I just call it what I think it is? Well, then, if why is it such a big deal, then why not just call it an abortion instead of killing children, if it's not such a big deal? I don't deal? argue with... This is what I find so interesting about not only you, but other people. They have a real problem with me saying what I believe, but I don't have a problem with abortion. I don't have a problem with them calling it a fetus. I don't have a problem with them sure calling it a... Uh, no, of course you do. That's why you went to the trouble to change it to we kill children. Okay, I apologize. <laughs> regarding regarding uh, language, I, I probably misspoke when I said I don't have a problem with it. I don't ask them to change. I don't... I, it's fine. They can talk to me. They can say zygote. They can say blastocyst. They can say fetus, they can say infant, they can say adolescent, they can do all those things, and I'm not going to say, look, da, 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 you know, about the language. Well, because but I'm going to say child, that, yeah, the thing with me and I'm going to say yeah. killing a child, because yeah. I believe it's a child yeah. running into this. People really don't like me saying what I actually... 
Well, because what you're saying actually is incorrect. But it's not because of the word child. It's actually because of the verb to be. But see, this is, I say, this is what I hinted at earlier uh, that I probably shouldn't get into is basically I'm a linguist and I study English and I'm working on actually debugging English. And it turns out that the verb to be in English is a serious problem to trying to think clearly. And when you say what something is, you really aren't, I mean, to say that a, a, a fetus is a human child or is a child or is a human being is really to say nothing. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't say anything. To say what something is is only to say what, what it's called. If I point to a tree and say, what is that? And you say, oh, that's an oak tree. I don't know anything about that thing. In French, it might be called something else. Uh, all I know when you label something and tell me what it is, all I know is what you call it. There's no actual scientific information uh, exchanged whenever the use ver uh, we use the verb to be. So, as I say, this is kind of a technical thing. So, I'm not when you say a, a, a fetus is a child, I'm really not arguing with whether there's a fact or not here, whether the, the, the fetus is or is not a child, because that's a completely moot point. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a matter of linguistics and semantics at that point. You can call it a child if you want to. Fine, I'll call it a fetus. Neither one of us is right or wrong. We just have our choices about how we label things. Okay. What's frustrating here? What's frustrating here is that I didn't. You did, and now I challenge you on it. And you say, "Look, it's no biggie. No biggie. Don't worry about it." The problem a moment ago, you were saying that. This was a, this was something. It was a problem. I, yeah, I it is a problem. It. It's a linguistic problem. It's not a moral wait, problem. Wait. Though. Now you, you, it's like go back and forth though. What? The, we go to the beginning, and, and you're you're a problem with the way I'm talking. All I'm saying to you is that you're talking to a person, irregardless of what you believe. You're talking to a person who believes that this is a child. And what I'm saying is that the fact that you believe it is a child is a, a, a sort of a, an, ex, an exhibition of, of linguistic pathology. It is clearly not a child. It's just what it is. What it is, it's Hold not on. a fetus. It's not a blastula. It's not an infant. It's not a human being. It's whatever it is. It's not language. It's not a, a sequence of phonemes. It's okay, what it on. is. But this, is, I mean, this gets really esoteric, unfortunately. Wait, hold on here. here. Here's the key. That's what is fair. What I'm saying is, I believe, regardless of what you believe. You're real bad right now, by the way. I can't, I, I didn't understand the last couple things you said. Uh, try it again. Um, what I'm suggesting is that irregardless of what you believe, you could restate to me a hundred times what you believe. That's not the point. The point is that I believe it's a child, and I believe that the child is being killed. Well, you yeah. and anyone else allow me to state my belief and not try to say you're not allowed to say that because I don't well, you can say, obviously, you can say it. I'm trying to point out the fact that the actual linguistic structures that are coming out of you are, in fact, meaningless to say that I believe that it is a child. I know this is not probably the place to go into this, but, I mean, literally, that, that sentence carries no information about anything outside your own brain. It's just talking about how you choose to use language. Perfect. It's, it's how I choose to use language. Right. But right. it's not telling me anything about anything outside your own brain. You're saying, what, I mean, you've already made that clear, is that you're against uh, killing children of, of any age. Correct. Yeah. See, what you just said is, 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 is perfect. See, that's the point. The point you just made is my point. Well, but actually that's and not that's true because you're not against killing children of any age, you know? Because I'll bet you uh, there are, you know, I, I don't know. Do you support capital punishment? Um, I, mean, I, I imagine there are cases where you would support killing somebody. 
Yeah, if we were to get into the the tech, technical things in the language here, yeah, I would say there is justifiable killing. Yeah, I think it is justifiable even to kill an innocent person in circumstances. Uh, there are times when you would in so, fact, kill somebody, and there are times when I would kill somebody yeah, also. Yeah, there are situations. I think if I were to get really specific and someone were to want to get real specific with me, I would say that I don't believe it's justifiable to kill the child within the womb. Um, I wouldn't make this blanket statement. What about when the mother's life is uh, at risk? Yeah, for example, and this is for children in and out of the womb, if you could come up with a situation in which... uh, the mother was going to die and the child was going to die. I don't care how old they are, whether the child's in the womb or out of the womb. If you could come up with some sort of situation where both are going to die. Did you see Sophie's Choice, the movie? I I think I've heard about it, but I'm not aware of it. uh, She was on her way to a concentration camp, or would have been, but she was hiding in in a room with a bunch of Jews, and she had her baby with her, and the baby started to cry. And so she smothered the baby. Yeah, that's she. That's uh, it saved thirty people and herself. In, and if she hadn't, uh, everybody would have died, including the baby. Yeah, and I think a lot could be said about that. I almost don't want to get into that. No, it's just it's a, it was just a great story because it really highlights precisely the issue of of how how do we make hard choices about things like that. That's a tough. Yeah, thing. yeah. It it it's uh. Especially it was a baby she loved and wanted. It wasn't a baby that she had not wanted. It was a baby yeah, she as wanted. Just, yeah, so as someone just texted here that, that situational ethics, I think there's a variety of situations that, that it becomes a, a very interesting <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and provocative discussion. Yeah. What I would say is that the child within the womb is rarely one of those. No, you're right. That's not the case. But I'm, all I'm saying is there. But again, it could be if the mother, if its presence was in fact uh, about to kill the mother. But uh, you know, again, well, yeah. I think maybe no, no, I, I, have, have, have probably run this into the ground as far as we're going to run it. <laughs> you know. But but the one thing that that we never resolve, and and that one question question I was stuck on with you is the one thing I would love to to hear the the reasoning behind, um, if you have it. I don't know if you thought about it or if you have a good way of explaining it yet. That is the question regarding your um, agreement that to save a child in front of you is good, if it is possible and within your power to save a child that is about to be killed for some reason. In a general sense here, of course, uh, uh, that would be good. But then to save children as uh, individuals in a society, uh, that is something well, you would again, abstain. This is where your word of child, I think, is just misleading. It's just a huge difference between talking about a three- or four-year-old child sitting on the curb in front of me and... Um, a worm-like structure inside somebody's body. I don't. I don't see the equivalence. Sorry. This is what happened last time. Is that you went to that part of the? Well, discussion. but I mean, that's all I'm saying is I don't see the equivalence. And you're asking me to to somehow explain uh, an equivalence that I don't even see. I don't see the issue there. I, I, you know, I just don't get it. But there's 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 two clear categories here. There, one category is the or discussions. One discussion is over the different ways we treat children at different stages. So there's from conception all the way to adulthood, and uh, do we treat them differently at different stages, and why? That's a clearly, that's a whole well, clearly discussion. we do. We treat old senile okay. people differently than we teach, you know, to treat teenagers or two year olds, you know, or children in the womb, or children in and the so, womb, or fetuses yeah. in the womb. Fair enough. Okay. So that's one discussion. But there was this whole other discussion that we were having where we talked about alternate universes and we talked about how within that alternate universe you um, would not be having the discussion about the legality and, 
and so forth of killing a child, regardless or irregardless of their age. No, no, actually, reg- regardless uh, was right. Word. Yeah, regardless, regardless was right. Yeah, isn't sorry. A word. yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> mistake. So, uh, regardless of their age, and that was where I found a real important discussion. That's what I was focusing on regarding this question yeah. of saving yeah, you the one about legality, and I don't. You're right. Exactly. And so within that category, I, I'm trying to stay away from the other one because the other one is an important discussion. But if you if you if we keep jumping between the two, we never really get a resolution. Well, we're never going to get a resolution anyway, because you and I are members of two different species. And, and this is not we're not going to come to a resolution of this. You are I think a different species than I am, and you see the world in a fundamentally different way than I do. And that's OK. But rather than hearing you say that, I'd much rather you justify your position, or at least attempt I'm to. I'm not interested in justifying my position. I don't have any need to justify my position. I don't but feel any need to justify it. To me, that sounds like a you know a simple way of avoiding dealing with an inability of avoiding a futile discussion. Wait, I'll say something, and you'll go, yeah, but, or you'll say something, and I'll go. I mean, it's just, a, like I say, I, I don't think either one of us are really going to change the other person's point of view. Okay. But maybe we Before can shed some light on it for listeners. But, but I, again, I but don't if, find that justifying a position uh, is, is of much value, really. Okay. Before we even talk about any of it, let's at least make the attempt. My question is, within the category of, law, whether there should be law, whether you support approaching the law question and so forth. My question is, and I would like to hear your, your, your reasonable distinction between the two, and if it is futile, we'll find out quickly. Yeah. My question is that, is, my question is regarding that situation. You said that it makes sense to protect the child who's directly in front of you, but you seem to be saying that you, and, and that you would, but that you don't support getting involved in protecting children in general. And I was asking for a distinction or a reason. Why is it that it is right to protect the child that's directly in front of me, but if I have, let's say, hundreds of children that are, let's say, five miles away from me, spread out in a certain area, that that I should not feel the same desire, not desire, sorry, the same um, compulsion. Compulsion. I was going to say. I was trying to say the compelled, but it doesn't work. But yeah, the same compulsion to 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 try to save them too. Well, again, we we're using the you're using the word child to you're but you're talking about very different circumstances. You're talking about Wait, don't don't jump categories. Well, no, I'm, yeah, okay? Don't tell me not to jump categories. I think you're mixing them, and so don't tell me not to bring that up. You're putting you're giving me a choice that is a fake choice. I'm not making that choice. Those are not comparable situations. We're talking about whether or not we should be focusing on law. You said that we shouldn't. My question is regarding law in general, and if we there's no point in focusing on law, then the discussion really doesn't go anywhere from there. Right. But that's you... why I was suggesting that maybe you know we should end our discussion for tonight because I don't think it's you know. It's, it's not, I just, you know, I don't think I can give you the answers that you would be satisfied with. And uh, Everybody, I'm sure everyone who's listening, and I'm sure yourself, even if you step back and listen to your I don't think there is movie. anybody listening. It's just you and me. <laughs> you know, I don't know if Fogel's here and Rogue is still here, but I mean the rest of the, oh, and the Icon is here too. But guests five and six are you, aren't they? <laughs> um. You, what I, I don't need to point that out, I guess, but the key is, is that I'm asking a specific question, and you, you keep going to the and other category. I don't have an answer for your question on the terms that you want it. Well, give me some answer. Okay, ask me the question one more time, and I'll see if I can make some sense out of it. All right. Regarding the legality of things, whether or not we should be attempting to bring about change within society on a general basis versus a specific. You would say on a specific basis, if there were examples, uh, I'm sorry, the example we brought up, if there were a child 
within your reach was about to be hit by a car, for example. Yeah, and, you and I would reach out and protect the child from happening, right? Yeah, and with, with certainty. So okay, but down the street at the hospital, somebody is having an abortion right now. What would you suggest I do? Well, that goes back in the other because you probably don't even think. We already know that, my no, answer but, about that. We yeah, already talked about. That, I don't care what the. I'm talking about, I'm talking about alternate universe where we're talking about where 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 children of any age are legally killed and so forth. But only by their why, parents. Why is it, the, the specific question is, why is it that you feel compelled to save the child in front of you, but not compelled to save children in general? That is real children in society, just like the one that's in front of you directly. Well, you know, I guess I just am stupid or something, but that, that are, I mean, really, I, I'm just grasping to try and figure out what the hell you're talking about. You know, th those situations are, like I say, the, the legality. I already agreed with you that I think it would be a better world if people didn't get pregnant unintentionally. You know, and it would be better if they did get pregnant that, well, not better. I would prefer, let's put it that way, that, well, no, I guess I wouldn't prefer. I guess actually I, I think it's really up to the woman to decide what the hell to do for herself. So it really doesn't make any difference. I mean, what I would prefer, I guess I would prefer that, um, no, no, I don't have a preference. I would prefer to talk long and deep with, a, with the woman if she asked my advice um, and, and try to see if we couldn't figure it out together what she should do with this situation. Yeah, it goes back into the other... Here's the problem. When I begin to talk about that issue, you slide back into this law, I don't care about the law idea. But then when I talk about the law, you slide back to the other one, and it becomes a real convenient way of never really get, getting anywhere. If well, we just we're not going to get anywhere. You are, no, you are. No, I don't think we can. I think uh, you have <laughs> a point of view that you are absolutely committed to, and uh, I don't think anything is going to shake you from that. So, No, it's not about that. I'm very specifically showing you something and that is that you shift from one to the other for example we can we can we can do this right now and what will happen is i'll begin to talk if you, you're not talking about the child situation in the, in the ages of development and so forth if we begin to talk about that then you'll shift back into this discussion of whether we should be even having laws and so forth mm -hmm. and then if i begin to talk to you about that then you shift back into the developmental well, the, the point is, there's no point in real, that's why I said we've gone back and forth a couple times. That's why I'm thinking probably it's pointless to continue talking about it for you and I. Because we, we both realize that we have sort of baseline assumptions that are incompatible with each other. And as far as I can see, I'm probably not going to change my assumptions, and it looks like you're not. So I'm not quite sure what's to be profited from continuing to you know, beat this dead horse. We're not beating a dead horse. Here's the key. I'm going, doing my best to listen to what you're saying. And in doing so, I've identified, I think, clearly two categories. If we could stick in one category and discuss it, then we could have a fine discussion. And then if we could go to the other one, then we could have a fine discussion. Well, I, I think you're I wrong. To... I don't think we will. I think we, we've already had as much of a discussion as we're going to have. You think laws, again, you're, you're a member in good standing of the Caterpillar. Uh, I'm doing everything I can to watch the Caterpillar and assist it to disintegrate. And uh, that's a basic bottom line. So this issue about legality is a, is a, is a no-go for that. There's nowhere else for us to All go right. about that. That's the category, let's call that category two. If we want to the stick to categories and discuss, yes. That conversation my is question done. Is, <laughs> yeah. No, you've never, not a, not a time, have you given an answer that stayed within that category that explained the difference between saving one child and saving many. No, it has nothing to do with that. That's what I'm saying. It's totally irrelevant. I don't see that those two are even tied to one another. What the hell do they have to do with each other? Here's how they have to do with each other. You feel compelled to save the child that is standing right in front of you. 
And well, I might. That's, that's, I'm assuming I would. I don't know if I would. I mean, that's just an assumption. I have never been in that situation. I might just stand there and be petrified by the whole thing and just watch it happen and not do anything. Who knows? You know? That very well may be the case, but the situation I described, you have ability to do so. You're able to, and and uh, those other things are the details. But but the key is, we're able to have what's called a thought experiment in which you can give a strong affirmation. That is, yeah, but those those are also abstract. That those become meaningless usually in real life. You know, people say all sorts of things, and then uh, you watch what they actually do in their real lives, and they often are quite different. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not sure how much weight these so-called thought experiments carry. I think they carry quite a bit in this particular case, because you seem to be able to affirm that you would be compelled to save a child if it were possible for you to save a child. It I was directly I said I probably would. I said I would do that. I hope I would do that. Yeah, you hope you would. You, 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 you describe it in a way that it would be something that would be natural to you. It would be something that would be uh, however you describe it. Yeah, right, it. yeah. Uh, I would do that. I would try to save a life if I can, a human life. I, well, any life. I'd save a dog's life. Good. So what I have a difficulty with is that I hear you say that, but then you will say that you... That I won't interfere won't. with a woman who wants to have an abortion. No, no, no. That's the, that's the first category. That no, you no, wouldn't, no, it's... it's that's, all right, go ahead. That you wouldn't have that same perspective in general, as in on a societal basis. Like, for example, with laws or things. Well, that's just what I got and, through saying, okay? Yeah. And so my question is, that being the case, um, you would be... Because I'm only talking about my behavior and what I do yes. and how I interact. I'm not trying to say how you should act or how other people should act. I'm only talking so about getting... my own personal reactions. And I think there we have a reason. See, this is the first time I've heard you give a reason. So the reason would be that you may very well be compelled, but you wouldn't compel others can't compel others. I have no interest in compelling it, others. So the answer would be that that for you, yes, it would seem like something you would do to save this child directly in front of you, but you're not in the business of ever getting involved with the compelling of anybody else to do anything. I'm sorry, say that again? Yes, you very well may choose to save this child that's that, that's uh, sitting in front of you um, in a in a situation where their life is threatened and you can do something about it. But the moment that you extend this saving of children beyond these individual situations between you and an individual child, you're now dealing with other individuals besides yourself, and you just don't want to compel other individuals to do anything. That is, you're not into the, in the business of compelling people to do things. Fine for you, not fine for trying to make others do it good. Well, or whatever would you use. I don't think I'd quarrel with what you just said. Yeah, I'll, I'll accept that. But I think that would be the reason. I'd have to think about that. I think this is what this guy Nelson was saying, too. I think the reason is that... Uh, I think there's something in there related to that. The reason that, that well, people... people who act out... You know, it's just like the whole Christian thing. People who act good out of fear for, for going to hell strikes me as hardly a, a good motivation for doing good. The doing good has to come from love, not from fear. And to compel people to act good for fear of burning in hell uh, doesn't really interest me. I don't really want to hang around people who are nice to me because they're afraid I'm going to kill them or do something to them. I want them to love me because they love me, <laughs> not because they fear me. Yeah. And so you can take that same idea and you can repackage it and you can say that uh, likewise for society that, that you would want people to do good for the same reason that you would say that child 
from being hit by a car because they're motivated by love. Well, I wouldn't want them to do that. I would want them to do whatever they feel they need to do. I mean, I don't know. Again, it's just too abstract. Just create these whopping abstractions, you know? They're just... No, I, I, what I'm trying to say, I'm repeating what you just said and, and trying to discern how it relates in a very similar way to society. You, you would rather people, you wouldn't get in the business of compelling people in the same manner that you wouldn't want people to be compelled by hell. You would much rather, you, wouldn't, you don't want a society that, that has all these legal rules. You, you refer to this like almost like to this caterpillar mentality. All these legal rules that you know you get a slap on the hand here for doing this and a slap on the hand here for doing that, but rather a society where people are compelled by uh, a whole nother motivation. Call it love. <laughs> Call it love. So I, I'll have to think about that. I don't that usually because, use that word, but but sometimes it works good. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to think about this because I think there is something there. I think that you're saying that. I would do something to save a child, given an individual situation that I was involved with. But I would stay away from anything that saved children in general because that requires my beliefs and so forth to be forced upon everybody else. And they are now being compelled, in a sense, to, to do this or do well, that. I think and, and a woman that, who's uh, unintentionally has some serious thinking to do, you know, uh, and I would be, I would certainly be for her doing some very serious thinking about what she's doing with her life and how she's living her life and how she wants to live her life and what her values are and how to deal with that kind of a situation uh, and is whatever choice a person makes, they're going to live with the consequences of that. And so I would hope that they would they were capable of making as conscious a choice. It's just too bad they didn't make a more conscious choice earlier. But, yeah. you know, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to think this through regarding the, the individual versus the societal choices. Well, I don't think it's versus. I'm not sure it's one or the other. I think it's both and. I think we need to consider both, really. You know, because I do live in, I mean, because the fact is I do inhabit the caterpillar. Even though, personally, I have not much interest in seeing it go on any longer, I do have to, grow, you know, cope with it. And, um, you know, so, I mean, the laws of the state are here. Like I say, I drive through red lights when the, the situation warrants it, but I'm damn careful that there's no cop around when I do it, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. I mean, so I am aware you're, you're, of the are. legal issues, you know. But more, it's more of a force than it is a, as in a, you're forced than it is anything. Well, I mean, the laws are, I mean, again, see, laws are there. I mean, traffic laws make a lot of sense. Red lights and all that stuff. I mean, of course, if we had intelligent red lights, then we wouldn't be sitting there for three minutes in the middle of nowhere at a red light with no traffic. But since we have stupid traffic controls, um, I mean, it makes sense when it's busy, but it doesn't really make sense at 4 o'clock in the morning to sit there for three minutes idling uh, in front of a red light when there's no traffic. It's a waste of fuel. It's actually a bad thing for the planet to do. So I choose to just drive right on. Well, I mean, I slow down, you know, and make sure there's no cops and there's no traffic and that it's safe to proceed, and I do. Although it's interesting, sometimes if there is another car around, I, I'm, I find a, sometimes I'll actually go through the red light and sometimes I won't because I'm aware of the fact that I'm, like, you know, a bad influence on some people. They'll see me running the red light, and I think, I don't know what I think, but sometimes I don't do that <laughs> when there's another car around. But if there's no car around, there's no question in my mind, I always go through red lights or turn against, you know, left turns where I'm not supposed to. I mean, I, I always do it if there's no car, but if there is a car, I, it's funny how I'm still programmed by all that old stuff. Hmm. So, 
You don't want the monkeys repeating your behavior? Well, but, I'm, uh, I'm brain damaged, you know. I mean, seriously, I am brain damaged. I was brought up in America and programmed with English, and I'm still recovering from it. I mean, I'm not as brain damaged as I was, but, uh, you know, I mean, I have a lot of old programming, a lot of old thought processes and behaviors that are just pretty hardwired in my brain. I still have a thing for certain kinds of cars that I had that I got programmed with as a teenager. I mean, I'm not so stupid that I go out and actually spend money on fancy cars and shit, but I still subconsciously drool over some of these cars. It's sort of funny to me that that programming is still in there, but, I mean, it's still there. I feel it, you know. But I'm, I also am quite aware of, of what a sickness that is. Yeah. I think I'm sick in a variety of ways also. Yeah, well, I'm definitely, I, th I mean, you're brain damaged. We all are. I mean, we get ideas and ways of thinking and stuff programmed into us by the language as children. Uh, and, you know, and most of us uh, go to our graves just carrying these bad old programming uh, situations around, you know, when we may outgrow some of it, you know, but unless you really work really hard at it. And I've been working hard at it for a long time, and I've made a lot of progress, but I'm telling you, I'm still am seriously brain damaged. <laughs> yeah. I think I uh, am also, even though I'm coming from a, a whole different uh, angle. But, no, but you but, understand but, what but I'm talking still. about. You you get it. You're, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, know. I mean, we all have different set, different kinds of programming, different kinds of, of brain damage, and it's unique to each of us. And then our conceptions of what parts of it are bad programming and what parts are good are, are different, you know. So it's a very complex situation. <laughs> Trying to make sense out of it ain't easy. Agreed. So, anyhow, let's see. Behavior out of fear is not behavior out of choice. I would like to make a comment on that, even though it's from way back, and that is that uh, I've experienced in my own life that whole thought process, and it's been interesting because, as you probably recall, or maybe not, but I, I say that I call myself a Christian, but I don't know that I am, and I have my own issues with figuring out what uh, Christianity is and so forth. But uh, having withdrawn a little bit from some of my previous zeal, uh, there was a clear moment where there was a difference between doing things out of fear and doing things because they're good. And uh, that key moment does bring that distinction out quite clearly where you ask the question, who is really good? Is it the one who's playing the part, um, but they're doing it all out of self-preservation, that is fear, or is it the one who's actually trying to be good? Because to be good is good. Well, I think you just answered your own question. <laughs> yeah. So, I, well, I, I had thought about this when I was going through some things. And it is a really interesting question. I still don't... You, you think I've answered my own question, but I'm not so certain yet. I, yeah. I, I really... I understand the distinction, though, a little bit, or I even see a distinction that I hadn't before, but I'm still not certain, actually. Um, well, I'm not so not certain. certain. That it's and I think this whole idea of certainty is part of our brain damage, this, this feeling that we should be certain. And I don't think that's part of the human experience. I, I think we are condemned to uncertainty, to the fact is that we really, well, I, you know, I was one of my, I'm a writer of sorts. I don't, I haven't. I mean, I've written a lot, but not much that I'm actually happy with. But one of the few sentences I've written that I really like is that only the truly religious dare to question their faith. And I think that is such a powerful thought, you know. All the parts, all the things that we're afraid to look at because they, they really put the pressure on our beliefs, uh, most people just shut their minds to those things and those are the people that are dead to the spirit as far as i can see that uh we have to walk into our uh you know doubts and questions 
and ask the serious questions and face the fact that we live in a mystery, that we really don't know. You know, we've got our ideas, we've got our thoughts, we can share them with other people, and there are a lot of people with a lot of opinions about what's going on here, but the truth is, I, I just don't see any escaping the truth that, that I live in a mystery. You know, and I'm, you know, trying to figure it out, and I've got a lot of ideas about it. I've been thinking about this for a long time, so I've read a lot and experienced a lot of things, and, and I've got some ideas, but... Basically, I find the whole thing still very mysterious. Uh, I would, I would certainly agree. My greatest difficulty is, if one recognizes it as a mystery, then how does one make decisions within the mystery? And Good that, that, that question. Yeah, yeah. Is is one of the most perplexing. Yeah. Or one of the That's right at the heart things. of the whole thing. The whole issue of control, even of, of whether or not I'm actually. How much of my own thinking process am I able to control? I mean, these are deep and serious questions, and language gets involved in this too. I mean, whether or not I'm actually in control of the language that's coming out of my mouth right now, or whether this is just uh, the way my language machine functions. Whether, that lang whether this voice in my head is me or just my language machine. I'm not committed to an answer on that one quite yet. I've got some tentative answers, but uh, these are tricky things and very, you know, I mean, have profound consequences. Yeah, I think that's a more of a, a specific mystery than rather than the, the general thing I was kind of mentioning. But but it but it is this is this has been my great difficulty is functioning within what you described as the mystery. Uh, making decisions within the unknown. Yeah. Knowing How old are you? Don't know. hmm? How old are you? Thirty. And you say you've got a couple of kids. How you got? You said you got a bunch of kids. I have four children. Four. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you've got. See, I'm. Uh, I was never as brave as you. <laughs> I, I realized that I was not up to having children and being responsible for them. I can barely be responsible for myself. So, yeah, you're in an entirely different situation than I'm in. You know, you can't really afford to ask the questions I can afford to ask. You, you've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of extra stuff in your life that I don't have. Make, it makes my life considerably easier on a lot of levels. Yeah, you'd have to get more specific from me to know what you're saying, but... Well, no, so I, I, no that's, I think that's I what I said. That's pretty clear. I don't have any responsibilities to anybody but me and God. I, I guess I guess I see. I guess I don't see the relationship between that and the questioning you're referring. Oh referring well, if to. I had kids uh, and a wife to support and a mortgage and and uh, children to put through college and uh, worrying about all the things that would be involved in maintaining a family, I wouldn't have a whole hell of a lot of time left over to spend the time I spend thinking about language and reading books. Okay. Because I don't have to spend much time uh, working. I only work about 20 hours a week. 15, yeah, I got you. you know. I'm glad I asked because I, I think I misunderstood what you meant. Yeah. But, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I certainly have less time. Yeah. And that's, that, that's a big difference. I mean, I've spent, I've been able to spend – more than 40 years studying, thinking, reading, writing, you know, for most of that time. Because I haven't had a, a real full-time job in, in many years, you know. I tuned pianos for almost 20 years, you know, worked maybe 10 hours a week. You know, I made enough money well, you to run you know. When you say semi-retired, what you're simply saying is that you do enough work to... To survive. Yeah. yeah, to get all the things I got. I just spent $3,000 on a new computer. <laughs> but I drive a 20-year-old car. You know, I mean, I've uh, my values are not most people's values. The stuff that I like, I've got the best I can get. and But I don't need much, <laughs> you know. I live very simply. So I don't need to work more than like 20 hours a week. And I've been blessed with good health and, um, 
you know. So I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm there's nothing to, you can't beat luck, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense within your view. So there you go. What's anyway, your name? Jeff. Jeff. Okay. Because yeah, that's a hell of a lot better name than we kill children. I thought that I said my name. I guess I did. Well, you probably maybe you did, but I, you know, we you didn't tonight, and uh, I don't remember it from the last time we talked. So. Yeah, I put it in the little uh, identification thing, so that if someone wanted to know, but uh, the, the name there is just so the the website is clear. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I see it. Yeah, it is in there. It does say Jeff. Anyhow, uh, it was nice talking, and uh, there are some little things that I I would love to flesh out. But I think that uh, I was I'm happy to hear what I think is an answer regarding the one question I had in that second category. Um, I will be thinking about that. I have to put I think a lot of thought into that because you're the second person who's really. Uh, focused in on the, the, this distinction between the individual and the whole. Um, so well, I, I wouldn't would put too much. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I came up with that explanation out of desperation. I'm not sure how much, how committed I am to the explanation I gave you. I told you everything is very tentative for me. I make this stuff up as I go along. So, you know, I mean, if, if it provokes you to think, uh, good. <laughs> but but don't think uh, that I you've discovered some fundamental aspect of my thinking because it's probably not true. Yeah, irregardless of all that, I I still have something. Regardless, that, uh, well, I, I, got, I got it. You know, I got to stop. You keep saying irregardless, and I, and and we mentioned this once earlier, though. Uh, yes, the, the word is regardless. <laughs> yes. But as a matter of programming, reprogramming your language machine, <laughs> it'll take Guardian. some time, but it'll work. You, eventually, you'll keep hearing yourself say, you're regardless, and every time you say it from now on, you'll say, damn, I didn't mean to say that. Pretty soon, you'll start saying regardless. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I've already had this going on, and I'm, I'm still trying well, to, to get it right. See, this is part of the brain damage that I'm talking about. Reprogramming your language machine is a, a quite not an easy process at all. I mean, uh, it takes well, it takes awareness first. First of all, you got to become aware of it, and then after you become aware of it, uh, it takes a while for the language machine to actually change. But it does; it will over time. And all it takes is awareness, you know. I mean, and you know it for clear, for sure now, that the word is regardless, and you will start, and you know, you're hearing yourself say it. You've used the word, I don't know, ten times tonight. We all have our favorite little words. <laughs> you know, I say, you know, a lot. <laughs> so I'm going to have to think about these things. But anyways, so I think that is, uh, uh, like I said, I think that, that provides a distinction between the two that I have to think about. Like I said, uh, there was someone else who was kind of saying the same thing, and I'm, I've been trying to figure out what it is that people are saying exactly when they're saying they're saying something. They're saying it, uh, dare I say, passionately. When I say passionately, I mean that they're saying it with conviction. They're saying that there's something different here, but I, I've yet to been able to get at what is the real difference, but uh, I think you provided something well, uh, to think about. Well, I'm still thinking about all these issues, so uh, I'm glad that you're still thinking about them, too. Anyways, it is late for me, as I'm sure it's late for others oh, here. Oh, it is getting late. Yeah, you must be on the West Coast. I am, yes. Yeah, otherwise it would be really late for you. <laughs> That's correct. Some people, that guy Scott, who's on here, he's he's in he's up two or three hours before us or something. He's, he's up very late. Oh, there we go. There's How a, could there's it be three a.m.? It could be two thirty a.m. Perhaps or three thirty. Ah, oh, two thirty. Oh, Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Nothing gets by him. He was he's being careful. optimistic. See, he's looking into the future. <laughs> he's an optimist at heart. In April and in May, when high-
She was nothing dismayed. Here comes her night's was for light. In April and in May, when hearts be all many, Bessie Bunting, name it and smile, will live so red as Jenny. She cast in here the remembrance to pass her time in dalliance and to love her thought really right womanly arrayed in a petticoat of weed. She was nothing dismayed. Here countenance was for light in April and in May when hearts be our merry. Bessie Bassie, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.